It's time for another episode of Tucson Means Business, featuring Tucson's top entrepreneurs and leaders in the business world. And now your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome, everybody, to another Tucson Means Business. And does it ever, even in this rough time we're going through of this COVID pandemic, a lot of hardworking business people out there hanging on. Uh, others are excelling. Others are uh, in the middle of that. But full credit to you. And well done. Keep it going. Don't give up, whatever you do. And today's show is about being successful. A couple of uh, local business people doing very, very well during the pandemic. So I wanted to find out why. What are they doing? What do they do? How can they help people? How can they help you, maybe? And, of course, this show, Tucson Means Business, is sponsored by the 49ers Golf and Country Club out there on Tanker Verde. People say to me, how could you be playing golf during the, you know, during the, the pandemic and all that? Well, you need to understand that there are um, separations between two people in a golf cart. And it has been solo people in a golf cart, but now there's two. Uh, the restaurant component of it is all, you know, spread apart like you're supposed to do. It's sanitized every single day. Um, staff wear gloves and so on and masks and, and eye thing, eye protectors. I mean, they're doing everything they're supposed to do, uh, but it is a business and it has to survive. It has to go on. And now is the time of year, believe it or not, booked out again they are with visitors from all across the country that love to come here during this time of year to our lovely Tucson. Or Tucson, as some of them call it. God <laughs> love them. I'd like to welcome Cindy Scheller. She is a recognized expert in navigating the healthcare system and has had more than 25 years' experience. She's worked in the hospital system, assisted living, memory care, and hospice, and is a Reiki or Reiki master and public speaker. Welcome to Tucson Means Business, Sydney. Thank you, Mark. It's awesome to be here. Lovely to have you. And uh, the other good-looking fellow is a national sales training, international keynote speaker, and an award-winning sales coaching organization and financial services, retail, manufacturing, professional services industry. He's done it all. And his name is Don Zavis. Welcome, Don. Thank you so much. With a letter like Z. I guess you were always last on the roll call at school. I was always in the back right-hand corner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to have some fun today. How are you both? Okay? Very well, thank you. You're it's looking a, good. Yeah, pleasure yeah. to be here. Thank you. Um, Cindy, let's start with you. In 2015, you left the corporate world to become an entrepreneur, gutsy, and bring a caring senior service to the Tucson and Southern Arizona communities. Where were you in the corporate world? What were you doing at that time? I was running um, a couple offices for a national home care organization. <clears throat> I had been there for six years, and prior to that, I had been running one in Los Angeles. And I just was ready for a change. And I swore I'd never open my own agency, not for a million bucks. And then I changed my mind. <laughs> so, and it didn't take a million bucks. And it didn't take a million bucks. And here I sit today, and it's it's been... a interesting journey going from the corporate world to being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. learned a lot and uh, luckily i had enough band-aids to survive the bumps in the road <laughs> so so it had to be something at that particular time that uh, literally got you to do it make the decision and go ahead and do it you know i often give credit there's an organization called e-women network and every time i would go to their international conference i would meet these amazing women and they would say cindy why are you still in the corporate world you need to own your own business you are the expert so i think once i accepted the fact that i was an expert mm -hmm. It was much easier to make that jump. Right. So, well, to this day, you thank your friends, huh? I do think my, you know, you can't get far without them. You can't. Caring Senior Service, it's a non-medical home health care agency serving the Tucson and surrounding area communities, correct? Yes. Okay. You're famous for using great care method. Right. Correct. Um, you are very caring about, uh, and your staff too, from what I hear. You ensure that seniors receive the very best senior home care. Now, needless to say, there's been plenty of bad press. Oh, yeah. The news, online, whatever you want to do. And it ain't fake news, this particular stuff. Right. It's such a shame. I get very upset. 
when I see these poor old people, how they're treated and what they've been through, and, and my mum, I mean, I was uh, the only son, and my dad died in the war, so there was just mum and I. And boy, you know, as a son, and if your mum was going through that sort of thing, Don, I tell you, I'd be in there with a crowbar fast as you can name it. <laughs> so what, what did you set out to do to make sure this wasn't going to be a Cindy Sheller deal? Well, you know, the our great care method makes sure that we have active involvement, that we have quality caregivers, that we have everything in line to be successful and to coach our caregivers to excellent. Part of part of the way we do that is we do weekly home visits with all of our clients. So one of my managers is actually going in the home to make sure that their care plan is up to date to make sure that the caregivers are wearing their proper attire and just to check to see how everybody's doing. I, like you, Mark, get very upset when I hear about poor care. And so our goal is to make sure that every client that we have can age in place with Mm -hmm. grace and dignity. So when someone talks about giving the seniors the control needed to live uh, safely, what does that look like? I think a big part of it is that they have an active involvement. They get to say what they want, when they want it, how they want it. So by giving back seniors control, because, you know, if your mom, you know, if you said, Mom, I need you to take your pill at one o'clock. And she says, I don't want to. And you say, no, you have to take it at one o'clock. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. So those things that you can give them the flexibility to do, it's Mm -hmm. like asking somebody to take a shower. I don't want to take a shower today. Well, did you take one last week or did you take one yesterday? She took one yesterday. So you don't need to take one today. So it's all very flexible, but it's giving, you know, just because we get old doesn't mean we don't have a voice or a brain. No, that's right. But but, 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 but wouldn't there be that component where for their own good you're trying to make them take that shower? Okay. Well, I admit there is a lot of nudging that goes on. Nudging? Nudging. Like. Come on, no. this is a really great idea. Let's you, go to the market. You, you know? Do you use nudging non in your world? <laughs> we refer to it as incentivization. Okay, all right. Uh-oh. Listen, don't eat that microphone, will you? It's one of the young ones I've got. Uh, is it easy or hard to give overall the resident families peace of mind, Cindy, in your world? Well, I think having somebody in the home and having a management team gives them peace of mind because truly we're there when the family can't be there and so that active engagement with the family and the client that helps them a lot we have a lot of families that like to travel although thank you covid none of us have traveled that much recently no but when we do we're there for them they must be terribly concerned the more mature people the ones you look after they must be scared stiff Well, we have a lot of protocols in place. So every single one of our care staff receive a text an hour before their shift, and they have to check off if they have any signs or symptoms of illness. If they do, we pull them from the shift, we restaff it, Mm -hmm. which doesn't always make the client happy because they like who they like, Yeah, but it's for their safety. And so if they're exposed to anybody, we pull them off, we quarantine them. So we also screen our clients when we go into the home to make sure they're feeling okay. Hmm. And they all have their appropriate personal protection equipment that we supply them. And so it, it is, I think the hardest thing right now is people really want to go out. They're tired of being at home. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pressure, isn't it? It's, it's a psychological pressure of being locked up. Imagine how a criminal feels. Yeah. Huh? In, a, in a small, concrete, blessed thing. That's what they say. They're going nuts. Look, Caring Senior Service, your company, uh, you work with community partners to ensure the health and safety you know, of your clients. In your world, Cindy, who would be these community partners so our community partners are people like skilled home health agencies hospice agencies hospitals because when they're transitioning from a hospital or a skilled nursing facility Mm -hmm. and they need to go home the whole idea is that there's no readmission so we try to bolster that up for them and other community partners can be assisted living independent living memory care 
So sometimes people live in a community and although they're in a community, maybe they've had a fall and the executive director is terrified she's going to fall again. Right. And they'll call us and say, Cindy, can you send us somebody for tonight so mm -hmm, she doesn't mm -hmm. fall? And so that's how we work with some of our community partners. Well, so how are families impacted when caring for their loved ones without help? How do they get on? You know, it can present financial crisis because if you're caring for your mom and even if you're trying to work at home, it's disruptive or you're scheduling. It's just very, very stressful. So um, we have a client right now whose daughter works from home and her husband had to work from home mm. and his mom lives there. And so we care for his mom while they're both introspectively doing their jobs so that they can focus on what they need to focus on. And then we can provide the care or the companionship that's needed. We're going to talk to you a little bit later on about the expansion. Uh, very exciting for you. You've worked very hard since you started some years back. And against all odds, it's a very competitive industry. I'm not saying that all that are in the industry do the right thing or, you know, could even be considered as competition because they can't. But nevertheless, it's still a competitive industry, and you have done exceptionally well. So there must be something you're doing right. Don, you... Do you hail from these neck of the woods or out of state? Uh, actually, out of state. Uh, Where, Bloomfield Hills, where's Michigan. originally? Where'd you grow Bl up? Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Just Michigan, boy. Michigan, a little outside of the Detroit area and Oakland County. Lots of snow, huh? That's why I'm here in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I nearly uh, nearly worked once in a place called Cadillac. You know that? Actually, I had a summer home in Tustin, which was actually about uh, 12 miles south of Cadillac. So you were right there. There you go. My summer house was right there. Well, if I wanted to work there, I would have been divorced. So that was the end of that. <laughs> it, 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 it is a challenge to live in northern Michigan. You have to be cut from a, a certain ilk. To well, I wouldn't know. Sense. I was just a dumb Aussie. But my wife, of course, is from Tucson. <laughs> She's a Tucsonan. And she knows, she knows different states and the weather across America, having worked with Dun & Bradstreet and uh, other companies from a point of view of traveling across the states. So, you know, she knew. And she's right. She's always right, my wife, you know. Aren't you, honey? Now, uh, share with us about your start in the working world, buddy, and, and how you came to be doing what you do now, because you're one of the best in the business. Uh, well, thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. I, I have been an entrepreneur, uh, and I believe that an entrepreneur is what you are, not what you do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, came, you know, did the normal stuff. You cut the lawn, you shovel snow. And in, at 19 years old, I got out of high school, uh, went to a week and a half of college, uh, realizing that week and a half college isn't for me. And at that time, I was a lead guitar player in a heavy metal band. Oh, and so do I we did, know them? Should we know yeah, them? Well, <laughs> Only in your garage, well, right? I, well, no, actually, <laughs> you know, we, we had we had some fame in the, in the Midwest. Did in you Michigan. really? Yeah, in fact, well, give us the, the name. Well, the name of our band was Zabbis. That was our last name. Oh, it, it was Zabbis. interesting that, oh. you know, we were Zabbis before Van Halen was Van Halen, whereas okay. the lead guitar player myself and my brother, the drummer. Okay. So we've kind of, we kind of, you know, I like to say we cut the, uh, cut the cloth for them to follow. Well, fair enough. Um, uh, but I realized that I, you know, loved entrepreneurship, loved business. Uh, we opened up our first music store, so we sold guitars and amps and drums. Oh, and that was right up your yeah. wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. It was. It was very much love what that. we were used yeah. to. And, and I was surrounded by my friends, the, the things that we love. Got to talk about that. We got it into four uh, stores uh, throughout the Metro Detroit area. Mm -hmm. uh, sold those. And being the serial entrepreneur, bought and sold 23 different businesses Wow! Uh, in virtually every imaginable industry, uh, and then got into uh, sales training shortly thereafter. Well, uh, lead guitar for a band, mm -hmm. what was it, a Fender? Uh, actually, it was a Gibson Les Paul. A Gibson, right, okay. And a Marshall Stack. So when did you learn guitar? Very young? When I was five. Wow. Yeah, it started when I was five. And for that some, is, yeah. Yeah, just for some reason, my, my parents kind of were of the, the type of parents at the time, which allowed my brother and I to pursue anything that we wanted. So if you wanted to try, you know, this, they would they would. Well, that's great. They us. were good parents. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I gravitated towards the guitar. My brother gravitated towards the drums. That house must have been noisy sometimes. You know, what? <laughs> you know, it's interesting. And, and, and it was. And, and God bless my parents. And I, I've often said this, you know, we're, we're Sicilian, so we're a tight family to start with. And my 
my mom always was extremely supportive of having the band play at our house. She always had her ideology was better be here than out roaming the streets. Oh, Not okay. that we ever really roamed the streets. Well, were you in the garage or a spare uh, room? We were in downstairs, the house? actually, in the basement. Oh, okay, in the and, basement. And, right. and, and my family very supportively supported it with the, the sound deadening you okay. know, types of stuff, the baffling right. that you have here. Cool. And uh, and we did that for the longest of times, and then eventually sold out of the uh, music uh, music business, and then bought and sold businesses after that. And, and what did your brother do? He went on to do what? Well, we actually uh, one of the companies that we owned was Welton Rubber. So if you go to Madison Heights, Michigan, to this very day, uh, you're going to go to Welton Rubber, and, and that was one of our company businesses, one of our family businesses, and my, uh, you know, brother had that and, and ran that until just recently we sold it uh, three months ago. Mm. Uh, he still stayed on for the transition, but yeah. Well, did you have fun being in the band together? Oh, I loved it. You know, it's, it's what was it? A four piece, five piece, what? Well, four piece, four piece. Yeah. So we had you know two you know two guitar players, drums, and uh, and bass player. Well, local you know, local dance halls and so on. You know, yeah, school well, school games well, and yeah, you know, we paid f- up to five thousand person uh, events. So when we would do a lot of the you know the uh, uh, the. the you know, like if your city had an expo or like a, you know, a, okay. you know, a carnival or something like that, we would come in and, and we would do that. But, you know, what we didn't make up for in talent, we made up for in explosions and lights. <laughs> so yeah, I figured... You were in a fixed bag. Oh, yeah. I figured that we weren't going to be good, but we were damn well going to be entertaining. So anything uh, under their brother. So we did that for a long time. And yeah, I, I don't have any like hard luck stories of my adolescence. It was never like, oh, I never had a girlfriend. You know, my life sucked. No, and, come on. You were in a band. You had plenty of... What <laughs> Like oh, again, groupies. Well, well, no, Miss, Mrs. Avis uh, and I have been together since she was 14 and I was 18. So she clung to me. Oh, my God. That's like, a long time, uh, yep. isn't it? Well, and what's her name? Uh, Janet. Janet. Hi, mm-hmm. Janet. Yes. Hope you're well. Yeah. I, I, I lovingly refer to as Mrs. Avis. So. Yes, there you go. So, Cindy, the guy went as one and a half weeks or something or other for college. Mm-hmm. Who was the other dude that dropped out and became a billionaire? Well, there's some I just can't think. It wasn't Zuckerberg, was it? Uh, well, he he was at Harvard. I don't know if he ever completed though. There was somebody else. Well, but what I'm getting at is this: he still managed to go and bloody profit with 23 well, businesses it, it, from it, nothing. Who taught you the business world? You know what? That was that was my. Um I, I think the business world taught me the business. I have a story which will take about four minutes. If you I, got I, it, yeah. I think it would be a great illustration but of I'm that. But cutting so, you off at four. Well, well, this this is this is essentially how the the ideology of the weekend. Well, I want people to listen to this who are entrepreneurs at heart, need well, some need some motivation, and nobody believes in what they want to do. Okay. Well, so uh, so this is a great example. So now I'm in class. I'm a week and a half. I'm in actually business management class, and he was going through a uh, a. a, a summary of cash flows so what the instructor was talking about is how to allocate money so you're starting your business and x amount for this 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 and i kiddingly said well where is your slush fund and he said what do you mean slush fund i said well the money you go to pay off politicians to get stuff done no no, well, hold on. Now, now, there, now here, here's the scenario, though. I had just ha- opened my first business, had it stocked. All the musical equipment was there. We couldn't get our certificate of occupancy, right? There was one person that happened to be in Dearborn Heights, Michigan, and, and we couldn't get him to come in for two months. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. How should it take so long to get a certificate of occupancy? So I called the, you know, I called the, the city department necessary, and they said two months. And I said, well, you know, what if I call the mayor? You know, and they said, okay, well, that's fine. You can do that. And I said, well, when can I get an appointment with the mayor? And they said, three months. And I said, well, there's got to be something better than that. And this is what the mayor's aide said. They said, well, actually, the mayor's having a fundraiser this evening for $250 a plate. Now, keep in mind, this is like 1981 when okay. $250 was a lot, that's right? a lot of biggies, yeah. Right? So he's having a fundraiser tonight for $250 a plate. And if you go there, I'm sure that you could talk to him for a couple minutes. Sure enough, I'm there at 3 o'clock the next day. I had my certificate of occupancy. That guy came out first thing in the morning. I had it in my hand. Now, that was the ideology I was coming from. My position was, you know, you're not really giving these people the legitimacy of the circumstances. And that's when he said, well, you know, Mr. Zavis, you know, maybe we'll go talk to the dean of students. And the dean of students suggested that maybe college wasn't for me. And I agreed with them. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the dean of students actually applied to one of my companies that I owned for a job five years later. Isn't that and he walked in the door, he looked at me, and he goes, I'm not getting this job, am I? And <laughs> I, said, I said, no, you're not. 
But, but we sat down and had an hour conversation and had, you know, drank some coffee and had a great conversation. I ended up helping him get a job with somebody else that I knew. You're a natural born. You got the gift of the gab. He, you know, I have my moments. No doubt this gave you tremendous experience. In the business Absolutely, world. yeah. With uh, a lot of failures. Yeah, giving, well, hey, you can't have success Absolutely. without failures. Sure. And, you know, it must have given you a vital insight into the sales process because, yes. you know, mate, uh, <laughs> even between radio and television gigs all my life, I've had other careers, mm-hmm. uh, but it all revolved around sales and marketing. Absolutely. And the, rea- the reality is nothing happens in a day, period, on the globe without a sale. Nothing happens until so, somebody sells you know, So, for that matter, salespeople themselves, in all the businesses you had, what you came across, what you found, how do you find the attitude of training sales today in this very high-tech world? Well, a, a lot of them are really focused on product knowledge, you know, what you know. And, you know, as soon as people, as soon as you learn a lot of things, your first inclination is you want to tell it, right? So if, you know, you go to a company and you learn a lot about your widgets and the first thing you're so excited about your widgets... I want to tell the world, right? Well, they mm-hmm. don't care about you. They mm-hmm. care about themselves. You know, the only concerns that are legitimate are their concerns. So, you know, I sit down with everybody. How are you hoping I can help you? I don't know if I can, but I'm, I'm willing to try. How are you hoping I can help you? And when you give that environment that's open to listening and open to, you know, communication, because I'll tell people at the end of an hour, I'm leaving. And one of two things is going to happen. We, either we're going to do business together and this is what it looks like. Or we're not going to do business together, and I'm going to say thank you very much, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right? But I'm more than willing to let you go back to your bad environment. Well, that's it. If it's You're there. very upfront about it because that's really what it is. It's a negotiation between yeah. A and B. Absolutely. If B can help A and or B's got for you what A mm-hmm. might want, mm-hmm. there's not a case here of me trying to no. outsell you. No. I'm sharing with you what might help you, for God's sake. And I, and I think that's a differentiate between professional salespeople. You know, I I will frequently tell my clients, and I really adopt a posture that no one likes to be sold, yet everyone likes to buy. And I'm okay. I mean, either I'm eating steak tonight, no matter what. I mean, I'd love for you to be my client, but I'm okay if you're not. If it doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense. You get to go back to whatever you had before. <laughs> well, I could be nasty there and say, uh, or put a spanner in the works. Uh, well, you're eating steak tonight. I can't afford that. Get out of here. I don't want well, your service. That's why you take sales training. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Um, you're now responsible for the sales development of over 3,000 sales professionals. Yep. Uh, are they all, you know, diverse in their careers? We actually, interestingly enough, I, I had an intern, and I had this idea that I wanted her to go through everything. This was probably four years ago. I wanted her to go through every client that we've ever touched, been involved with, anything like that, and and just kind of try to classify how many different industries we actually got 301 different industries well i was going to ask you because one of the things that i I did on my research i found out Mm -hmm. that you had trained or coached over a billion dollars of revenue production now how does one get to calculate that sort of money you know well the easiest way is when they come back and tell you Normally what I hear, and it's interesting because I'll, I'll be working with a sales team or, or working with, with, with a company or an organization, and, and what I hear a lot is, oh, my God, we got our biggest client ever, right? You know, we just closed XYZ company for, you know, you know $39 million. So what we started doing is we started to uh, gauge, you know, we're very strong in surveys. We're very strong in uh, getting a sense of the success. And my clients generally double or triple their business. Now, that's not a guarantee, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Some people do more, some people do less, but that's kind of an average to go with. So I will ask them, okay, how much of this can you attribute to us? And we've kind of kept that running total over the years. And right. actually about three years ago, we just ended up at a billion. It's kind of like when you go to McDonald's and it says over a billion served. Well, if you go back to McDonald's 20 years ago, it said, you know, 900 and, you know, 27 million. Yeah, right. Million, I remember right? that. Okay. Right now it's over a billion. So yeah. we just kind of three years ago said it was over so, a billion. So your actual practice yourself, your own learning, uh, mm-hmm. was focused on educational workshops, mm-hmm. uh, private one-on-one sales coaching, training, and keynote speaking. Yes. Do you do much of that? Well, we, we don't now in, in all things pandemic. Uh, historically, beyond that, yeah, generally two or three a month was uh, was standard. Right. And, and I, you yourself on the speaking well, thing, I, where yeah. do you go to, to do that? Do you travel I, a bit? I, oh, absolutely. I could be in front of, you know, the CPA Association of America at Caesars Palace, and then I, you know, did a thing for a group of plastic surgeons in Orlando, Florida. That's fabulous. I mean, it goes all You know, again, I think it's I'd interesting. I'd love to do that, Cindy. I really would. Well, it, it, and I you tell know. you, it, it really doesn't suck. 
So it, it, that part does. <laughs> and they pay you well, don't they? Handsomely. The nice thing about it, though, and my, I think I share with you, my wife's got some health challenges. Uh, prior to this, and they've, they've really kicked up in the mm-hmm. last couple of years, but prior to that, we would be taking two or three vacations a month. And what would normally happen would be, you know, two, we, I'd fly out on a Monday where we would just be tourists. Tuesday would be the expo or the, you know, the convention would start, whatever. I would do my keynote speaker, uh, my, my keynote speech on Wednesday. Then, I, you know, then Thursday I would have to go back in the expo space and they would, you know, trot you around like the prize poodle. Mm-hmm. And then Friday, you know, we'd hang out and be, you know, we would be tourists again. That was really good. I mean, again, that, that don't suck. No, I'd like that idea. So. That would be good. Well, you must be doing something right, Don. Uh, I hear you're ranked in, what, top 5% of yep. sales trainers yep. and coaches nationwide. Yes. That's, uh, that's a pretty good effort, mate. Mm-hmm. We'll come back and talk to you in a sec on what you address sure. in your coaching and all of that because I want to come back to Sydney. Mm-hmm. First of all, though, I want to let our listeners know, thanks to 49ers Golf and Country Club, who are sponsors uh, and my sponsor of Tucson Means Business and have been so now for some time. Very loyal and a wonderful club, which I'm a member of because I love my golf. But they go, you know, the best of their ability to service everybody. And don't forget Lisa's still doing her classes. You can still do all of that that's done outdoors. Uh, and I know because as we're teeing off, they're having a ball <laughs> and it's quite unusual i can assure you but all that's happening as well but go to the site 49ers golf and country club up there on uh, tanker Verde past the school and we're going to take a short break as i have a little chat with their director of golf this is casey Well, I hope you're enjoying this uh, episode of Tucson Means Business. And, of course, we're very grateful and very proud to have as our sponsor the 49ers Golf and Country Club, a uh, icon tradition here in wonderful Tucson, Arizona. And uh, my particular guest today from the 49ers is the Director of Membership and Tournaments. And his name is Casey Polivchak. Hi, Casey. Hey, Mark. How's it going today? It's going well. Thank you very much. I want to talk about memberships a lot of talk uh, about golf clubs going down and people not playing again and we're increasing what's happening there you know the club over the last seven years has just really made a nice big increase in uh, in membership it's been steady but if you look at our numbers you know year over year we're definitely on the uh, on the climb is there anything specific that you can uh, point the finger at for that do you think Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we've got a new owner, and he came in, and he's just revitalized the club. Um, the club was on the verge of uh, going bankrupt or closing uh, when the new owner stepped in, and he's just continued to invest in the in the club, the facilities, the golf course, uh, the restaurant, and he's just uh, just a bit of a blessing for the the neighborhood, the community, but definitely the uh, the members of Forty Nine er Country Club. Well, it's quite unique. It's a beautiful course with trees everywhere for shade. And, of course, a lot of people think in the desert. I mean, this particular show goes all over the place, so you never know who's going to hear it uh, or which country for that matter. But should they be visiting Arizona? And uh, I've heard a lot about the 49ers Golf and Country Club. It's easy to find. It's on uh, Tanker Verde Road heading east out of town. Anybody can point that way. The GPS can get it. Not a problem. It's about 12,000. And you can see it because of the entry gates. Very nice entry. Entry gates there, and you'll see the club on your left, which is the Rink on Mountain Grill, as you go into the actual golf club, and then you'll find the pro shop and so on. So it's easy to find from that point of view. What would you say to visitors? We do have a lot of visitors, don't we, from the Midwest, from the North, uh, the colder climates and so on, as we call friendly our snowbirds. Mm -hmm. What would you um, say to them about if they haven't been to the 49ers yet? Okay, so 49er, I would liken it to a Midwestern-style golf course because of the tree-lined fairways. Um, When we get our snowbirds in, if they're coming out for a... You know, a golf trip, a lot of times I recommend they come play 49er if it's a warm-up round, if they haven't played for, you know, a couple months because of the snow on the ground. Um, You know, the the thing about it is it's tucked into the corner of the mountains out there. That's what Rincon means um, in the corner. Uh, But the golf course is, uh, it is, it's more traditional tree-lined fairways, um, elevated tees, elevated greens. Um, It's a a great golf course to play. It's it's not going to kill you. It's not going to... Uh, you know, have a bunch of huge forced carryovers, desert and cactus and mm-hmm. uh, 
it's uh, it's not what one thinks. No, it's not for the but desert. Yeah, you got to keep it straight. <laughs> It'll challenge you that way. You got to keep it straight. And of course, if you you know if if it talks your cork at the moment, simply go to the 49ers website, which is 49ercc.com. That's spelled out F O R T Y N I N E R C C dot com. There you go. Okay, so do that. There's some lovely photographs, great stories to look at, and it'll give you everything about the club. You can't, uh, you can't fail. All right, we're going to be back with Casey another time. You're listening to Tucson Means Business. Okay, now thanks, Casey. That was great. Here. Families impacted when caring for their loved ones. We talked about that. Um, what about your expansion now, Cindy? You, you've done exceptionally well. Okay, why have you been so successful that you can expand? And did you have to expand? Well, I think in my business, it's all about relationships, and that's really been the key to our growth, and it's about trust. People trust me personally. They trust my agency director who has been in this business for a really long time. And um, expansion is necessary in order to serve the number of clients that we're serving. Um, So we did open another office on the northwest side of town on um, Oracle Road because, as you know, asking somebody to drive from Oro Valley to Tanca Verde is like asking somebody to drive from... Dallas to San Antonio. Yeah, that is hard, isn't it? They don't want to do it. I never go over there, but I have to. (laughs) They don't want to. So, you know, that was necessary to serve our clients and our field staff in the Northwest side. In the, in uh, 2021, we will be expanding again um, in a major city. And I will let you know, Mark, when I decide which one it's going to be. No, hang on. You're becoming a capitalist here. What's the deal? You're going to another city? Me, a capitalist? I thought... I can't believe you would say such a thing. Let let me understand (laughs) something. I've got this from different business people over, you know, three years of shows and uh, on air here. Here's the deal. It's so spread out, Tucson, right? Never mind going down to Sierra Vista and, uh, you know, Green Valley. I would think that you would want to expand here more. Well, um, we have lots of plans, Mark, and I, I'm just you know, going to tease you out. out the bag I'm just going to tease but... you out, but we <laughs> we may or may not be going into another state in uh, the first quarter of next year. But truly, the success has been again um, just the relationships we've had, the quality of care we've been able to provide, and. You know, just shouting out to my management team. Hmm. They are phenomenal. We wouldn't be here today without our agency. Well, I was going to ask you, listen, let me ask you this. Are you lucky that you were, or maybe you were just smart in choosing at the very beginning the right people or they came your way? Because yours is very much a people-oriented business, isn't it? It is. How do you get them when there's so much else out there, competition? You know, a lot of it's culture. It's not just a job in my company. You have to truly have compassion and be passionate about providing care to others. And really, I loved what you said because it's really about I can give you a thousand solutions, but if I don't listen to how the problem's impacting the client and the family, then the solution I may just blurt out isn't the one that's that's foremost, that's necessary. So it's really about, you know, finding out what the core problem is. We do specialize in Um, medically complex clients, even though we're non-medical, most of our clients are very high acuity, meaning they have a lot of medical issues going on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And our success with that has, has simply been really drilling down to what the core issue is and trying to help the families navigate the healthcare system, do that care coordination, Mm -hmm. make sure they see who they're going to see. So you, the people that, that we've chosen to be a part of our company they so beautifully fit in in the culture of of our organization. Well, that's very good. Well, I'm, a lot of it I've got to contribute to you, surely, or attribute to you, I should say. Probably your training, what you wanted in the beginning. Do you sit down a lot and have meetings, sit arounds and talk things out? And we do. We have a meeting every Monday and right. we have a meeting every Friday. We have a new marketing and sales director. Um, Male or female, as a matter of interest. 
Her name's Kathy Dwyer. She's okay, been in female. the community for a long time. Right. In healthcare and um, oh, she's been in healthcare. And 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 truly, my uh, our our core feeling about marketing and sales is just maintain those relationships build new relationships i don't want anybody selling to anything just maintain the relationships Hmm. so that they know how we can help well, um, I'm speaking with Cindy Scheller on Tucson Means Business. Um, she's the CEO, owner, and chief cook and bottle washer of Caring Senior Service, uh, dealing with COVID-19. I mean, how has your business survived uh, as we've been navigating COVID-19 months and months now? You know, truly, we're, we're fortunate to be in this industry. I have a lot of friends who've had to either... Uh, drastically scale back their businesses or actually close their businesses. Mm-hmm. So we've been blessed by, you know, just being in this the healthcare industry. And regardless of whether we're having a pandemic or what's going on in the world, people still need help. And that's why we're still relevant and mm-hmm. will always be relevant. And all of us baby boomers you know well yeah listen what are you doing as a home care agency to slow the spread of COVID-19 you know we're we're very very um, diligent about using our protective um, personal protective equipment Um, we encourage everybody to sterilize 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 right right. and sanitize sanitize eh? sanitize sanitize and um, and we also encourage our field staff like look don't go to those big gatherings don't participate in those parties if we find out that you've been to a big event you're Mm -hmm. not going to be Mm -hmm. at your shift the next day and it sounds really harsh but you know look at Oklahoma ICU beds are full you know, just today's news is a little alarming. So we try to encourage them mm-hmm. every week, you know, be v- just pay attention. Look, you're, I, I, I normally don't do this, but, but I don't want to touch on politics because we don't do that on the network. We don't do politics, religion or sport <laughs> because a lot of, you know, a lot of media leans left or right, Don. Uh, we lean business. But we were talking before we came on air and Sydney just brought up something. And there's a lot of talk goes on out there. You don't know what to believe sometimes to a degree. I've heard stuff like you're going to hear more and more and more people who got COVID-19 because every hospital gets $30,000 every time it's registered that it was a COVID case and not something else. Now listen to what Don told me before that he that he happens to know about. What was that shark thing you told? Well, it, again, I'm going to share this with my tinfoil hat wearing compatriots. Uh, but you know, throughout the country, you hear these examples of, of of just crazy COVID diagnosis. Now, again, this is what you know. Now you got to attribute a certain amount of leniency to the fact that it comes from the internet. Uh, oh, but there, totally. right? But there was evidence that there was a, a gentleman who was unfortunately killed by a great white shark in California. That his cause of death was COVID nineteen. Oh, now, See, now, now, and yet the, look at all the genuine right. cases now, of the very sick people. Absolutely. And, and I think that the, the part now, which is the business part to, to bring us back to the focus, you know, there are enormously successful companies that have become enormously successful specifically because of COVID-19. You look at Grubhub and Uber Eats and DoorDash. Those mm-hmm. all existed for four or five years. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that Amazon is the largest of its kind on the face of the earth, they've truly benefited from COVID-19. So there are sections of the marketplace which are are, have become incredibly resilient and have really benefited from it. We call them, um, you know, if if you think of, you know, uh, the the, the sections of the marketplace that are really thriving in lieu of this, you know, scenario. So, you know, you talk about, you know, the the, all the money putting into uh, vaccines and the money that's now going into the research and pharmaceuticals and, you know, right down to the toilet paper and paper towels. Realize that when those get sold out, the cash register rings at the companies that are manufacturing these things. So and with the PPE, mm-hmm. I mean, truly, it was not in our budget this year to spend the amount oh. of money we have spent on masks yeah. and gloves yeah. But you know, I, I, there's something that really, really irks me right now. What would I know? I'm Although I've lived here for eight years now, this particular stretch in Tucson, um, you know, I'm from another country. You know, what right do I have to say anything about what could have been done or not been done or anything else. You've been here all your life. You've seen all, both of you. Why wasn't there a warehouse full of PP equipment 
for a major outbreak like this done. And I don't care if it's bloody Obama, Bush, whoever the heck it was. That's a million-dollar question, didn't Mark. they think of that? That's well, a million-dollar question. It, it, you know, and that I, would be it, the first thing I'd be wanting to be doing well, as the president, making again, sure I, my health is right for well, my citizens. Be, you know? Being a capitalist, as I clearly am, um, I think the issue, everything, if I believe in, in everything in the world, if you drill down far enough, it, all it has to do with money. Right. It's the same reason why if I went in your house, uh, you're not going to have, you know, one gallon no, of water. There was person. tons of money, Don, tons of money in the Bush administration, tons of money in Obama. It's all there. But I, I will I, I will always believe if you drill down far enough. It's the money who wants to keep it, who wants to spend it, whatever. Uh, but there is a session that I actually do. It's called profiting from the calamity. Mm-hmm. And it talks specifically about how niche markets like like the one that you're in really, I don't want to say benefit from a bad situation, but are somewhat immune to it, right? You you hit the nail on the head. There is going to be people that are going to need care, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of who's in office, regardless of anything. And, and I'm encouraging my clients that understand that profiting from the calamity mindset is to say, you're going to have a different delivery method maybe than you have right now, right? You're going to have to change. You might have to work twice as hard as you did before mm-hmm. to get the same results that you were getting. Now, you can either sit by the side of the road and wait to die, right? Or you can, you know, pick up your shovel and start going. And I would say, too, that we're all sick of this word, but we truly have had to pivot because mm-hmm. I can't get into hospitals to see my case managers. So we do more email blasts. We mm-hmm. do more Zoom meetings, mm-hmm. like Zoom is Zoom to nauseam. Mm-hmm. I know everybody I'm speaking to has absolutely had it up to here, you know, top of the head business. Uh, and in fact, my business here got hurt very hard from March on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sanitized the studio profusely. There's only two of you in here today. Mm-hmm. I used to have up to four. Right. Um, but I worked from home the last, what, six months? Mm-hmm. Like everybody else. And the reality is my business isn't about being on down Zoom. Right. But I will tell you, Mark, and I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I I believe that you're right. There has been some politicization about COVID. There's been stories like the shark. However, Mm -hmm. the people that have gotten sick from COVID. Oh, sure that have other comorbidities, meaning they have a lot of medical issues going on, they get very, very sick. Yeah, they're the ones that hit the most, right? our seniors and our disabled population and those with compromised immune systems need to be careful. They need to wear a mask. So whether you believe Mm -hmm. that COVID's a hoax or Mm -hmm. not, all you have to do is spend an hour in the ER with the doctor that has been working 48 hours. I don't believe it's a hoax. No, I do not. I definitely believe it's real. There's no doubt about it. I just think that, uh, one, I'm, 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 I'm upset that uh, it was never prepared for in the richest country in the world, the greatest thinkers in the world, thought leadership. I mean, you know, America's the world's police, and everything else is expected of us. And yet, uh, you know, it comes to something like this, and there was nothing to be prepared for. It was sheer panic. I couldn't get protective equipment for my staff, and I went to a local medical equipment provider, and he said, Cindy, I'm really sorry. We only sell to hospitals and doctors. And Mm -hmm. I threw a little hissy, and then um, I went home, and my husband said, shame on you. That wasn't very nice because, you know, he's just trying to protect his, Mm -hmm. his clients. So I thought, well... He's under stress, too. I felt really bad, so I went and bought him a bottle of 15-year McKellen and took it to him and apologized in chocolate for his staff. And he's been supplying my PPE ever since, not because I brought him scotch, but because I recognized that, you know, I recognized that I was in the wrong. Like, I shouldn't have put him in that position. No, fair enough. And now, caring as a whole, we have supplies nationwide. Mm-hmm. But but when this first broke, it it... You're right. The chain was broken. It was really difficult. Now, every, everybody was scrambling. Well, this is what, what concerns me, though, because your industry, right, your industry, the non-medical industry and what you do, it, it's not regulated too well in Tucson, is it? In Arizona, no. it's not regulated in at Arizona, all. In Arizona, never mind Tucson. Not, not, now, not I know that at all. you go over backwards. You Absolutely. bend over backwards to do the right thing. What about those that aren't? And then something like this comes along, Don. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a worry. We background check our caregivers every six months and our, our, our whole team. They have to have CPR. They have to have TP tests. None of that is required. 
But in my view, I take our business very personally, and I want our clients protected. We tried to get a law passed, and it didn't go through. Um, there is a consumer protection thing that basically says, I'm the owner, here's the contract, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, until, until, so regulation brings really great things, and it brings really, as invasive. a business owner, invasive, invasive things, right? So it it's great in that, Everybody has to follow a certain line, and there's certain organizations that you can join. I, in my past, always worked for accredited organizations and licensed organizations. So when I became an entrepreneur, I just followed that model, right. whether I needed to or not. Hmm. So I personally believe our industry should be regulated, although I have other owners that— No, I would think so, too. I feel sorry for when they go through audits. <laughs> I would think so, too. Yeah. What's, the, what's this new health and wellness program that you're doing now? Can you share a little bit about that with us? So not everybody needs eight hours, 24-7 care. Some people just need to be looked in on, especially with COVID. So we have developed a program. There's three different tier levels. We basically have a wellness coach that will call in to these clients check up on them, ask them questions to see if they're taking their medication. We can even remind them, do phone calls to remind them to take their medication. And if they need one-to-one -one care, we can throw that in the bundle as well. Mm -hmm. But it's a touch point for seniors and disabled and really anybody who needs that touch. Like if you don't have any family and you're 91 mm -hmm. and living alone, mm -hmm. but perfect perfectly functional and still driving this is a real client always refused care but now is on the health and wellness program so right. we're talking to her That's every single idea. week yeah and it's affordable the the pricing is very affordable to do that just before i go to don i want to ask you this what's been your greatest challenge then in growing your business during all this you know stay at home orders during this time marketing i mean truly sales and marketing because <laughs> Uh, everything's shut down you know there's closed campuses and so again it goes back to those relationships still our business a huge portion portion of it is word of mouth so because we've cared for your mom you've told others about us so having that face-to-face -face with discharge planners mm -hmm. case managers that's been more difficult. It's opened up a bit right now, but I have a feeling it's going to shrink back up again. Mm -hmm. So it's having to do those videos, having to be progressive. Okay, yeah. What else can we do? Lots how of things. We... Well, you're going to have to head online and a few other things and get it out there. There's yeah, no just how it. can we help? Call us. Um, Don, how is the uh, virus pandemic affecting your business? I mean, are you advising your clients, you know, about the next 12 to 24 months or... Uh, well, we are. We, we, we certainly, like everyone else, wish we had a, a crystal ball that we could uh, explain. I think that sales in general will change uh, as it is because you're taking out the component of face-to-face. -face. You know, professional selling has always been a face-to-face, eye-to-eye business. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's changed. And I really believe that that's something that everyone misses. Now, I, I do believe because of the, of, the, of the struggles that are going on now, whether it be a political or otherwise, that once these get resolved, I think you'll surprisingly see how things kind of go, go back to normal very quickly. Uh, I, I think that there are, uh, you know, again, in, again, not to put on my tinfoil hat, but, but I think that, that, that there are things that are happening which are skewing things maybe that ultimately we're going to see. But here's what I suggest for my clients. A, number one, you're going to have to work twice as hard as you did before, potentially to make the same amount you did. That's number one. So if you made 20 prospecting calls, now you're going to have to make 40. I'm also telling them that prepare to double whatever you did in terms of the support of your business. So if you were advertising on radio and you were spending 1000 you should be spending 2000 Now, they don't want to hear that, but, you know, again, I'm not going to blow smoke at them. Just because they don't like to hear it doesn't mean it's not the difference. In our world, however, what we're finding is, is that it goes back to professional selling 101. And a lot of the imposters, and I don't, I don't say that with any venom, but when you're in a positive economic market, there's the idea that, you know, the, uh, the rising tide raises all ships. So even weak salespeople and marginal companies have been able to be successful in that rising tide when you had a strong economy. Now that it's not quite as strong, a lot of the, for lack of a better word, again, with no venom, 
imposters are finding that, you know, these salespeople aren't doing very well and these, you know, questionable companies aren't doing very well. And I find that good quality companies, like, you know, you know, as we're talking about here, uh, will weather the storm no matter what. But you have to be prepared. The second thing is, is that I want you to do twice as much of what you're doing, but I want you to go start doing all the stuff that you weren't. Podcast is a great example. Mm-hmm. I'll throw a shameless pitch for you. The people that aren't doing podcasting should. My daughter's 31 years old. She never listens to the radio, ever. Well, Ever. of course, you know, this is very different. You've got 135 million Americans now it, listening ab- every month to podcasting. Because ab- they can listen when they oh, want. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, sure. I mean, I, we bought her a car. I've been telling Cindy that for two years. <laughs> she so, has. So, she has. So, I, uh, so I'm telling people, you know, you're going to have to, you, there's no solution to your problem that's going to be free. If you're looking for a solution for your problem, it's going to be free. It's not going to happen. You look at all the millions of people that now, you know, quadruple their Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Well, the problem being is, is that now the entire universe has jumped into the same pool and now you're even more diluted than you were. Go someplace where, you know, it's the, the blue ocean, you know, theory. Mm-hmm. If you've ever read the book, the, you know, the blue ocean idea. So the red ocean is the bloody ocean. That's where everybody's in there fighting it out. The blue ocean is the place where there's nobody at and you want to find that. You want to be creative. Finding the blue ocean. Yeah. You've Stay created the- uh, a brand new website, donzabbas.com. It is, yeah. What okay, live tweets brain. you What led you to develop a new site during this year? Well, you actually, you're preaching to the preacher yourself. Well, I mean, we, you're doing what you said you had yeah, to do. Yeah, well, and, and that's the thing. It's interesting because we've quadrupled our advertising budget across the board. So everything we do, we're doing more of. Now, fortunately, we have always had a, a pretty strong war chest in anticipation of doing this. We and, and against the grain, our main office is in Michigan, where I used to live. We have an office here in Oro Valley. And just in January, we all opened an office in San Diego. So when you were talking about expanding, I'm absolutely encouraging my clients to expand. Go buy a car, buy a house. I mean, the, the values that I believe are in the marketplace now are happening not because these retailers want them to happen, but they have no choice. Right now, they have to make things that are happening. So there's wonderful opportunities, whether it's the podcasting world, radio, television, direct mail. You know, I think direct mail is a wonderful place to go, and we're having a lot of great experiences from. In fact, interesting, Cindy, it's hard for me not to be a sales trainer. So, <laughs> so let me give you sales training. Well, well that's interesting because you know uh, I throw a lot of junk out. I mean, it's still works to a certain degree, mm-hmm. certain types of direct mail. But let's face it, uh, people are scared stiff to touch things unless they wear gloves to go out and get the mail. Sure. I think you're going to have that suspicion. You but I, I think what you're finding is in the direct mail world, it, you know, if you go back 20 years, like you remember the movie You Got Mail with Tom Kanks? Oh, it's my wife's right. favorite. I love it Perfect. too. Yeah. Well, a- at the time, that little voice that came on and said, you got mail? That was actually the voice that came out. It said, you got mail. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. those who remember that long ago. And at that time, you'd get five emails a day, you know, but you'd get a stack of mail that's a foot tall. Well, now you're getting, you know, 300 emails a day and you're getting a stack of mail two inches tall. Yeah. So it, it is standing and out you know a little bit more. you know what's next, don't you? Those darn text things all the time. That's the next most popular. Right. Next year, you're going to see more of prolific of that. And unfortunately, a lot of, again, when people who are short-sighted, I believe this is no criticism, this is observation, the people that are short-sighted are willing, most people won't invest in themselves because they know what a poor investment it is. And I know that sounds shameful when you think about it, but, you know, they're not going to invest in their education. We have the three investments that we talk about in our training. The first investment is health and wellness. You are the engine of your business. You're either going to run like a Ferrari or you're going to run like a minivan. You get to choose. Mm-hmm. The second investment is skills that will increase your income, right? Understanding podcasting, understanding the new digital world, because if, if you don't exist in the digital world, you don't exist. And the third is, is your appearance, how the world sees you. It's your, how you look physically, but it's also how your company looks. <clears throat> A quality website, quality handouts, um, descriptive business cards, all the peripherals, is, which is the, what the world sees. Mm. And, and, and all too many times they make a decision. I mean, when people see me, I look like what a sales trainer should look like. I have honed this personality, right, it, over the last 15 years. I could be wearing a ratty T-shirt and some cut-off shorts, and I'm still the same person. But that's not what people think a sales trainer should look like. Yeah, you, you wonder. I, until I saw the first picture of you, I was a bit shocked to see longer hair than normal. Yes, 
right? Well, that, he was still nicely attired and well, suited and had a tie on. He's not giving that up, Mark. Well, he's not giving I, that up. Well, that's not true. I actually <laughs> did. In, in November in November of 2017. Be yourself. Who cares? Yeah, Look no, what I'm doing. It took it, me years to get this going, man. I've I, always wanted a ponytail. But there was. Ooh. It was. i show you what a capitalist I am. In November of 2017, I had a client come to me for, for a, a, a training thing that we were doing in Europe. And he said, you know what? We want to hire you. My boss is never going to hire you. He says, you look like a girl. I said, you wave a big enough check at me, and I will cut my hair immediately. <laughs> what and, size skirt and, do you wear? And they, and, and they did. And, and all the photos that you see in all my peripheries, right, all the headshots, right. that's the 2017 short. Don Zavis, ladies and gentlemen, I've got some short time left, so I want to make sure I get a little bit more in with Cindy. I needed to ask her. But listen, go to Don's website. If you're listening and you're a company and you think, gee, maybe this guy could help me, uh, I believe he could, www.donzavis, D-O-N-Z, We'd say Z in Australia, or the Brits would too as well, but it's Z, so it's Don Zavis, Z-A-V-I-S dot com. And there's phone numbers and all of that, and I'm going to put that on the site, on Tucson Business Radio X. No good giving them all out to you now. You're probably driving or doing something else. You wouldn't be able to write them down anyway. <laughs> so go to the site and figure it out. But, Cindy, in the short time I've got left, I want to ask you, there were a couple of things that were concerning me. Um, you've expanded. I've interviewed Tucson Office Memory Care. You're doing that. Uh, it is your career with passion. Your reputation's enormous. Now, you do other stuff. I wanted to touch on your other interests. I mean, you still got time to have other interests? Well, you know what? I don't know if I told you this, Mark, but I have chickens and a rooster now. Oh, my God. On top of listen so to this, folks. She's got have... vice president of events for Norbo. Norbo in Tucson and a member of Insights on Aging and a panel on healthcare professionals dedicated to providing education for our community on the continuum of care for those facing aging. God love you. What's Norbo all about then? Uh, NABO is a National Association of Business um, Owners, and I actually stepped down from a vice president of events because my business was growing so uh. much. I have to learn how to say no. That's my new thing for the next six months. Um, so it's a wonderful organization of women business owners, and it gives you access to training and resources and mm -hmm. all kinds of great stuff. Um that we do and so some of the other organizations i'm involved with are um help with fundraising for charitable organizations um uh britney or britney geez brianna henderson opened uh harmony house which is a which is a home specifically for covid positive patients mm -hmm. it's free if you're 65 and older harmony house harmony house where's that where is it located? it's way out on east speedway um, we donated funds for their meal program. Oh, lovely. Um, so it's, right. you know, I love that the more you make, the more you can give away. That's one of my passions as well. Absolutely. And so we were able to give to them. But, um, yeah, so we have chickens. We now have a desert tortoise well, and two baby desert tortoises. Love it. Listen, when I last interviewed you, I mean, the things changed. The Tucson office uh, still provided staffing services to assisted living. Yeah. Uh, memory care, skilled bit. nursing facilities. And uh, and what about hospitals in southern Arizona? No, you know, we kind you, of you'd moved away from... You'd be spread thin, wouldn't you? I mean... We've kind of moved away from staffing, to be honest with okay. you. I mean, the, the field staff have... Like, everybody's vying for the same people. So it's really difficult to get people to go work in facilities right now because they don't want to get sick. Right. So right. they want that one-to-one -one experience with clients. There is a shortage, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, uh, I could. Uh, I tell you what, it's uh, it's pretty scary. Um, know. You know, you you read the stories and hear about. I mean, what do you what do you do without the people, the nurses, the the support? I mean, Don, we'd be in a real pickle, mm -hmm. quite frankly. But you, you know, know what? You guys, the sun's going to come out. The sun oh, is going to come out. Absolutely. And people are going to get on their feet, and business owners are going to figure out how to turn and how to pivot. And I. We're survivors, know, human race. We are. We just have to support each other. Now, for somebody listening now, though, Cindy, do you have any programs that would help seniors at home uh, that don't necessarily? We covered that just very briefly again. Uh, people can call you, contact you. What, what is the process to admit a new client to your home care services? Just give us a call. We'll schedule an in-home meeting to make sure we're the right fit for you. We'll and who goes to, to those? Story. Uh, Tony Coleman Miller, our agency director. Okay. She's amazing. Sometimes I Go. All right. So, uh, and we're talking about uh, caring health care. 
That's the name of the company. Caring Senior Service. Caring Senior Service. Easy to find, right? What's the website again? Oh, yeah. It's caringseniorservice.com slash Tucson. Slash Tucson. All right. Yes, Ooh, slash Tucson. Okay. <laughs> I, you know, I see where it's going. Uh, but look, that's easy. Uh, talk to them. They're very, very friendly. And then they do this. What's it called? A discovery call? Or when, when this lady goes out I, to... It's an intake. It's a home care admission. So we go and we ask about medical history. We ask about, you know, what did you used to do? We try to get an idea of their personality so that we can kind of match the caregiver with that person. So if they hate people that talk a lot, we're not going to send them Chatty Cathy or they'll throw them out of their nose. Right? So we find about all of that. We find out if they have animals. We find out all this great stuff. And then we go back. We make a care plan. We make a schedule. And we dive right in. and Amazing. Now we're just trying to figure out different activities to do at home because getting mm. out is harder and harder. you got to get creative. So we have one client that we go on drives and get coffee and right. anything to get him out of the house because otherwise he's not happy. Do you play chess? I don't play chess. My 12-year-old plays chess. Good movie on Netflix. I started watching that Queen of... Queen's Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very good. Cindy Scheller, as usual, a wonderful pleasure to see you and have you uh, to be interviewed again. It's always a delight. Thank you for the good work that you're doing in Tucson and all the wonderful people you care about and love. Thank you, Mark. It's always so much fun to be with you. And Don Zavis. Well, President, Chief Training Officer of Don Zavis Sales Training. 248-497-586. See, what a waste of time that was. But you're in Oro Valley, East Innovation Park, easy yep. to find. Yep. And uh, the new site is? San Diego. The new, but the new website? Oh, yes, I'm sorry, www.donzavis.com. And he'll do something for your company that maybe you can't. Hope you enjoyed the show. Another Tucson Means Business, proudly brought to us by the 49ers. This is Mark Bishop signing off. I look forward to your company again.